Welcome to our Trade Academy podcast series in which our experts simplify complex concepts involved in international trade and trade finance. In this episode, we'll be focusing on documentary collection, the various collection methods through to the risks and also discrepancies. Now let's deep dive into collections. Unlike advanced payment and open account for documentary collections, the trade teams within the banks are always required and involved. So we'll start with the definition of documentary collections or in short collections as most people refer. Collection means the handling by banks of documents in accordance with instructions received in order to obtain payment and or acceptance. Collections are means by which banks aid exporters principal to receive settlement by handling financial documents and or commercial documents on their behalf to collect payment or the acceptance of a payment obligation from the importer that is also known as drawee against documents. Collection instructions details exactly the actions the exporter wishes the bank to take in relation to handling the document and collecting settlement from the importer. It is very important to note that unlike documentary credits, banks that handle documents do not give an undertaking. I repeat, do not give an undertaking to the seller or the buyer. However, it gives some comfort to both parties when the documents are handled by banks. It is a simple process, basically. So banks do not examine documents in details. Merely just check if all documents stated in the collection order are presented and follow the exporter's instructions. That is all what the bank would do. There are two ways that documents can be delivered to the buyer and that is on DP terms and DA terms. That is document against payment and documents against acceptance. Documents against payment terms are also known as cash against document terms, that is most preferred ones. And document against acceptance terms being documents where you have a usance period given to the drawee. If the instructions from the seller is to deliver documents on documents against payment terms, then the bank will deliver handover documents to the buyer only once the payment has been made by the buyer. The bank would debit the bill value to the buyer's account with the bank. However, in document against acceptance terms, the buyer's bank will hand over documents to the buyer on the buyer's acceptance to pay on a certain date in future. The safer payment method for the seller as explained in the risk ladder is documents against payment terms as the bank will only release once payment is remitted to them. Now what are the rules that are applicable for collections? It is the Uniform Rules for Collections 522, in short, URC 522. It is an International Chamber of Commerce publication and it is the current applicable version. It is important to know that all parties, not just banks, but all parties including buyer and sellers are bound by these rules. Therefore, I would highly recommend that you read and understand the URC 522 in the event you agree to the documentary collection as the payment method in your sales contract. So make sure that you are up to date with such terms. Whenever you are negotiating with your clients, they may use such terminologies and if you don't understand what is being discussed, you may unknowingly sign up for something that you do not intend. 
the exporter in the URC 522 is referred to as the drawer and the importer as the drawee. URC 522 refers to the seller's bank as the remitting bank as it remits the documents submitted by the seller. The importer's bank are referred as the collecting bank or the presenting bank in URC 522. The collecting bank as it collects payment and presenting bank as it presents the documents to the drawee. Alright, so now we will move on to the next one, the documentary collection cycle. So we start from where the previous two methods of payment started and that is the sales contract. Once the sales contract is in place, the seller will then manufacture and ship the goods as per the terms and conditions of the contract. Then the seller will submit the documents to their bank. When submitting documents, sellers need to be very clear about the instructions on how to handle the document. That is, a seller must clearly inform their bank as to who is going to bear what charges and whether this is to be paid at site or at users. Seller's bank is known as remitting bank, just to recap. So the remitting bank will forward the documents along with the instructions to buyer's bank. Buyer's bank is also known as the collecting bank. Now collecting bank's role is to advise the documents to buyer and obtain their acceptance payment instructions accordingly. Buyer will then accept the documents and advise their bank to further communicate this to seller's bank. Collecting bank, which is the buyer's bank, will then process the acceptance or the payment instructions in accordance with the terms and conditions and inform the remitting bank via SWIFT. Now, upon receipt of the SWIFT response from the collecting bank, Remitting bank will then credit funds to seller's account or advise them of buyer's acceptance to pay at maturity. If it's a usance document, then naturally at maturity the payment will be remitted and credited to seller's account. So now we are moving on to the next one. We are now on the last payment method, the one and only documentary credits, which is considered to be the most interesting, but needs time to understand on how it works. We will be covering various topics under documentary credits on the export and imports training session. Okay, so let me share with you some definitions of what a documentary credit is. In simple words, documentary credit means a written undertaking by a bank, that is the issuing bank, given to the seller, which is the beneficiary, at the request of the buyer, and that's the applicant, to pay at site or at determinable future date up to a stated sum of money against stipulated documents presented by the beneficiary which must comply with all the terms and conditions established by the credit. I emphasize the last line against stipulated documents presented by the beneficiary which must comply with all the terms and conditions established by the credit. The receipt of a documentary credit by seller will not cover the risks and concerns the seller may have unless the seller ensures to present documents in conformity to the terms and conditions stipulated in the documentary credit. Now, autonomy of the documentary credit. This is important thing to remember that 
banks deal with documents and not with goods, services or performance to which the documents may relate. A decision on whether a bank makes settlement to a beneficiary is dependent upon the determination of compliance by that bank with the documents presented. It is not subject to information or data obtained outside of those documents. You need to make sure that when you are submitting documents, you try and submit clean documents because with regards to goods, whether or not it is shipped properly or if there's any issues with the goods, that wouldn't matter later on because if the LC is asking for certain number of documents to be submitted in a certain way and the beneficiary does that, then the payment goes out. So now let's look at the parties involved. Now these are basically, I mean, these can be used interchangeably. However, it is important for you to understand that depending on the name of the party, the roles and responsibilities will also differ. I will explain to you in brief. In UCP 600, the seller is referred to as the beneficiary, the buyer as the applicant, the applicant's bank or the importer's bank is always called the issuing bank. But depending on the role, the exporter's bank can be called as the advising bank, negotiating bank, confirming bank or the nominated bank. We will be looking at the roles and responsibilities during our import and export training. Now we shall look at the DC cycle. Now the first, a buyer, importer and the seller decides to do business together. They agree on a price, quantity and other terms. And they specify how and when the goods will be shipped to the buyer. So basically I'm talking about the sales contract again. So the first thing is the sales contract. The next is to obtain the letter of credit, the DC. The buyer will contact their bank for this reason. So basically when the applicant, right, the buyer is known as the applicant in LCs. So when the applicant is submitting the application to issue a DC to their bank, they need to be very careful about all the details that they are going to present, which is, I mean, could be around like how much is the payment supposed to be? What is the DC value? What is the name and address of the beneficiary? When will the seller ship the goods, which is the latest date of shipment? How will the seller ship the goods? That would be transport method. Where should the shipment arrive? Port of loading, port of uh, discharge, and numerous other details. Now, at this uh, particular step, details matter a lot. That's because it's essential that the bank gets all of the details correct. The letter of credit is a legally binding document. And these documents are interpreted exactly as they are written. Now, again, the letter of credit is separate from the sales agreement. And it's based on documents, not actions performed. So you can't assume that everything will work out if there's an error in the letter of credit. Even a seemingly minor item like a typographical error can cause problems. If the document isn't perfect, it needs to be corrected before anybody moves forward. So therefore, um, it's important to submit the application with all the details that you want to be uh, incorporated in the DC. And then the next is, after scrutinizing the letter of credit application submitted by the applicant for workability and clearing all the points with applicant, the applicant's bank will then issue the LC by sending it to the seller's bank. Now, seller's bank is typically located in the seller's country and is likely a bank that the seller already has a relationship with. 
Now there may be several banks in between acting as intermediaries, but those are left out for simplicity in this example. Next comes the seller's bank that would then receive the LC, review the LC, and advise it to the seller. Now at this point, the seller must review the letter of credit to ensure that it matches what was agreed that they are capable of meeting the requirement they also need to decide whether they are comfortable trusting this particular issuing bank or any other bank involved now why i say this is because there is an aspect of requesting for confirmation now if the beneficiary is not okay or not comfortable with the issuing bank and they want another bank's undertaking this is a step where you might want to ask for confirmation like another bank probably your own bank that you're dealing with that is the nominated bank or the advising bank to add confirmation to this LC, meaning to give you the additional undertaking. So at this stage, to all the beneficiaries listening uh, to me, please make sure that you review the LC details clause by clause to make sure that you are able to adhere to each and every details. If there's anything that you are not able to adhere to, please make sure that you discuss this with your applicant and make the changes in the LC. Because once you submit the documents, you want to submit clean documents because you do not want to rely on the applicant to later on accept the discrepancy. If at all, you end up submitting discrepant documents. This is a very important step for the beneficiaries. Right. So then next would be if everything is acceptable, then the beneficiary can move to the next step, which is to manufacture goods and then ship them. Now, once the goods are shipped by the seller or the beneficiary to the buyer, the beneficiary will then present the documents to the nominated bank. The nominated bank is usually the beneficiary's bank and often would have an account. The DC will state who the DC is available with, at times a specific bank, and more often than not, it would state as any bank. The next is... Once the documents are presented to the nominated bank, the trade team, export document checking team, will check the documents in conformity with the DC terms, with the UCP 600 and also the ISDP. In the event documents are found to be discrepant, the nominated bank will highlight the discrepancies to the beneficiary for correction. At this point, the beneficiary may represent corrected documents and the nominated bank will then send the documents to the issuing bank. And at times, if the beneficiary strongly feels that the discrepancies will be accepted by the applicant, the beneficiary may request the nominated bank to send the documents to the issuing bank without checking. That is on approval basis. Now, of course, this is a concern to the beneficiary as the beneficiary would be at the mercy of the applicant to accept the discrepancy and make payment. Now, in the event the issuing bank or the applicant refuses the document, then it is too late for the beneficiary as the goods have already been shipped out of the beneficiary's country. So, again, here I would uh, I would like to repeat that submitting clean documents should be the most important thing for the beneficiaries. Therefore, please make sure you check the LC terms and conditions before you proceed ahead. Now, the next one is, once the issuing bank receives the documents, they again would do their checks. If there are no discrepancies in the document, the issuing bank may put out to the credit of the beneficiary as per the covering schedule of the nominated bank or confirm its acceptance to pay on a later date if it is a usance document. 
and this is only when the documents are clean. If it is a discrepant document, then the issuing bank will advise the discrepancy to applicant, requesting them to accept it and also advise it to the beneficiaries bank to advise beneficiaries so that they are aware that, that, that this document is discrepant and that they can then uh, liaise with the applicant to request them to accept the documents because at this stage on a discrepant document, only the applicant can accept it and get them their payment. The bank's undertaking do not apply if documents are discrepant. So now the next one would be the issuing bank will do the checks and everything, right? And will advise the applicant that the documents have arrived and will inform the applicant if the documents submitted are clean or discrepant. After that, the documents are given to the applicant. The applicant will obviously accept depending on um, issuing bank will communicate this to the beneficiary or if it's a user's document, they will send out the acceptance message. Or if it is the, if it's under site basis, then a the payment would be remitted out directly to the beneficiary, right? Now, we are moving on to the most important part, which is discrepancies. This is something which concerns all of the beneficiaries, as I was discussing earlier a little bit, yeah? So, now let's first uh, define what discrepancy is. Discrepancy can be defined as an error or defect, according to the issuing bank, in the presented documents compared with the documentary credit, the UCP 600 rules or other documents that have been presented under the same letter of credit. Now, the interesting facts about discrepancy is that almost 70 to 75 percent of documents that we receive are more or less discrepant. And another in interesting thing is that although the uh, high percentage of discrepant documents almost all of them get paid eventually. That is when beneficiary talks it out with the applicant to accept the discrepancies and later on applicant would accept it, right? Now, this is important, right? Normally, people would think that discrepancy is only against the terms and conditions of the LC. That if you do not follow a particular clause or term and you have, you know, not adhered to it, that's when you will have a discrepancy, but that is not the case. If within the presented documents, you have any contradiction of information. For example, let's say um, the vessel name on the BL is ABC123. But if you are mentioning the same thing on the packing list and you have mentioned it like ABC12, that completely changes the vessel name and that would be a discrepancy then. So you need to be very careful not only to adhere to the terms and conditions of the LC, you also need to make sure that within the documents that you are submitting, the document set, all the informations are in line, that nothing is contradicting. The more information you try to put, and I'm talking about additional information, the more additional information you try to include in your in your documents, there is a high chances of getting it wrong on the other document. Therefore, remember that mass is mess. Reducing data can help in reducing discrepancy rates. That's it for this episode. Please join us in the next installment to learn more about the risk ladder and also some examples of payment issues.